Okay, let's go. What episode is it? 12? Is it 12? Yeah, Already? it's 12. 12. I guess it is 12 because 10 was Vice and 11's Barnes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I tried to save. 11 and uh it said you've already done this do you want to save over it and i was like no <laughs> welcome to the better the bookshelf podcast it is episode 12 in this episode we are talking about cormac mccarthy's blood meridian or the evening redness in the west i am ryan and with me is Jacob. What's going on, buddy? How are you today? Good. Glad to be done with this book and uh, just glad to be done with this week. (laughs) Starting off on a good note. It's been a while since we've been in here. We kind of knocked the Barnes book out. Spoiler alert. We kind of knocked the Barnes book out a little bit ahead of schedule and gave us a little extra time to ruminate on this one. I don't know how well that paid off for you, but uh, it paid off. It'll be interesting. I ruminated. Yeah. So hello. Yes. And welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, our little book club cult. Thing, stuff that we do. Uh, it's going to be a pretty traditional episode, although they've all kind of been pretty traditional episodes, yeah. because can you really say tradition when you're talking about something as short-lived as this? I think so. So yes, yeah, a pretty traditional episode. We're going to tell you a little bit about the author, Cormac McCarthy. We're going to tell you a brief summary of the book, and then we're just going to get into it. Uh, we're going to put our big book brains on display, uh, like a couple of cavemen arguing over you know, a stone etching or a, <laughs> a fur on the ground, something like that. Uh, yeah, you know, we've got a few questions that we'll uh, we'll chew the fat on, uh, a few thoughts. This one's going to be not super contentious, but I feel like there's going to be a little gap, and I, and I love yeah. those episodes, to be yeah. honest. I love when we kind of are not just sort of uh, repeating what we're saying over and over, like, I also felt the same. So this will be a good episode for that. I agree. Then, of course, at the end, we're going to give you our patented three-tier, four-tier, if we're just throwing it out, five-tier, if we're using it as, uh, you know... Technically, is a Ken, five-tier program. Kindling. Yeah. Uh, six-tier would be if you're just, you know, having an exorcism for the book or something like that. <laughs> uh, I don't think that we're going to go that far uh, no, anytime no, soon, no, but no. we might get there eventually. And uh, then we'll tell you what we've got coming up on uh, our future episodes coming down yeah. the line. So let's uh, let's do it. Let's let's talk a little bit about Cormac McCarthy, man, author, figure. What do you got for me, Ryan? Uh, so he's still alive. Uh, he's 85 years old. Young. Okay. Means he was born in 1933. Uh, he lives, <laughs> you said that in a very old way. 19 and. I feel like it's witty and topical. Okay. Uh, 19 and 33. Uh, he currently lives in, uh, I think he lives in Providence, Rhode Island. Maybe that was used, he, where he was born. Uh, I should take better notes. You did a lot of research yeah, on this one. I, no, I did. I have like a whole page of notes. All right. That. Anyway. Uh, he's lived all over the place. Um, most notably, he's lived in El Paso. Okay. Uh, so he's lived in Texas. Uh, he spent a considerable amount of time in Tennessee, it seems. Uh, and then he uh, he traveled around Europe as well. Um, notable books. Uh, the Road is, is his most famous by far. Um, and then, obviously, uh, this book... Uh, All the Pretty Horses and uh, No Country for Old Men, which was made into what I think is a pretty good movie. I enjoyed Um, the movie. Never read the book. Yeah. uh, And very, I think, probably true to the sort of feel of uh, of the book, but I I haven't read it either. Uh, He went to University of Tennessee. Never finished. Uh, I thought that was that was interesting. Uh, Doesn't keep writers as friends. Uh, Said he prefers scientists, which... uh, Kind of reminded me of Asimov for some reason. Um, he was kind of 
uh, kind of like a fish out of water, like more of an intellectual, not that writers are not intellectual, but in a different vein, maybe. Uh, So a couple of weird tidbits that I, that I was able to find Um, his given name or his, I guess it would be his given name if he was born with it was uh, Charles McCarthy, but he was so concerned about being confused with a ventriloquist dummy that he changed his name to Cormac because the dummy's name was was Charles McCarthy, so I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny. A little odd, okay. Yeah, uh, he uh, apparently still uses a typewriter uh, and and always has. Um, he sold his first typewriter uh, at Christie's. I want to say it was in the mid two thousands. Um, they estimated that it was gonna it was gonna get between ten and fifteen thousand dollars at auction. Want to venture a guess what it actually went for? One hundred thirty thousand. Two hundred and fifty four thousand five hundred dollars. So I kind of split the difference there. Yeah. So uh, it's a lot of money for a typewriter. It I, is. I would assume that that's probably one of the more expensive typewriters uh, of all time. Um, he has a lot of awards and accolades. Uh, most notably, he won the Pulitzer for the road. Um, he, oh, that book was also listed, uh, as the number one book in times top 10 of the last 10 years, okay. uh, which was published in 2010. Uh, it's not to be confusing. I guess they do that every decade and, and whatever. Um, uh, Blood Meridian was uh, on the Times 2005 list of top 100 English language books uh, since 1923. Um, and Literary critic Harold uh, Bloom, which have you ever heard of this guy before? I have, and I actually okay. saw the interview because I was, I was, I you know was doing background on okay. this when I actually saw the interview where he was talking. I, I think it was on C-SPAN or something in great detail about this yeah. book he's, and just his thoughts on it. Big, yeah. big advocate for yeah, it. Yeah, so he's he's a he's a professor at, at Yale, huge literary critic and right. and and book critic. I wouldn't even necessarily call him a reviewer. Uh, so he he regards him as one of the uh, top four uh, American novelists of his time. Um, three or two of which we've already read: uh, Pinchon and uh, and Roth. And uh, he called Blood Meridian the greatest single book since Faulkner's "As I Lay Dying," uh, which, just for reference, was published in 1930. Yeah. Uh, so from there, let's get into that's your, a lot of pressure that we're putting your, on this book into and your book this summary. I, it is all very intentional that I lay the groundwork of for uh, yeah we're setting a very high praise. expectation yeah going into this. So uh, as as just plainly as I can say or as I can say, uh, Blood Meridian is a story of just constant violence surrounding the Glanton gang a group of scalp hunters operating across uh, and along the U.S. and Mexican borderlands in the years following the Mexican-American War. I was hoping you would do something a little bit more lighthearted this, no, this week. No, I feel like this book, if there's any book, this is, I mean, let's get into it. This is very different from everything we've read. Extremely. I think, up until this point. And yeah. I'm not even just talking about the subject matter because it is very gruesome and you're hit with it immediately and you're hit with it constantly and yep. it's just present there over and over and over and over and over and it's not used in a way that i would normally think of violence used as a story to be kind of like a shocking moment or to to allow for some type of um 
result to be derived from that or, or lesson learned or some type of, you know, something to take from it. This book, yeah. it didn't have that. The violence was just like a character that existed and it was just constant and it was just, it was just there because it was violent and just brutal and gruesome. Yeah. I mean, it just nonstop throughout the course of the book. And, and I get that, you know, when you reach kind of towards the back little bit of the book, once it's, you've kind of switched to, you know, the gang's all kind of been killed and you've kind of got the whole judge and kid situation working on at that point, you're just kind of like desensitized to it. You just kind of feel numb to it. But this was a very, um, this was not an easy read. Uh, I th- no. feel it was a very, I mean, compared, you know, it's, it's, it's different than, uh, when we did Faulkner, Faulkner was, a, was a difficult read for a few different reasons. I felt like this was, uh, a, I, I felt it was like equal parts, um, equal parts, just the subject matter and equal parts, just the structure of not even just the structure of dialogue or just kind of like the exposition of it and just mm-hmm. how it was very not, I don't know, it didn't feel right in a lot of ways. Like it felt effective, uh-huh. but it just didn't feel right. It, it kind of, it kind of took me out of, this was, this was one of the, this was one of the harder books that I've had like to get through. And I'm really glad that we had three weeks on it because it would have been one of those that I would have had to been like, hey, I need an extra yeah. day or so to maybe yeah. kind of trudge through the last little bit of this book. So I know that you've got a lot to say and think about this book. So I'm just going to we're going to uncork it and I'm going to let you <laughs> I'm going to let you do what you got to do, because I am I know for a fact I'm not I'm not necessarily low on this book. I know that you are. And so I definitely want to get into the reasons why uh, you feel the way about this book. Yeah, and and even about this author because I know you have laid a lot of the groundwork for this, and you've read previous works by uh, McCarthy. Yeah, so, I, so I've read the. This road. was my yeah. This yeah. was my first venture into this uh, into this writer's territory. So I I, I actually kind of want to like query you about things because so so here's my thing, and I I said it when when we introduced the book is that I did read the road and I had a very strong negative reaction to to the road, um, and. I carried that very much um, coming into this book. I'll tell you, the the first twenty pages, man, I was I almost rage quit. Like you can ask my wife. Like I oh, was I was reading her yeah. excerpts and I was like, this guy is this guy's a fuck. Like and it, so then I was like, okay, I've got to get through this for the podcast. And not only that, but like I I owe you know this this book uh, based on its stature for, for like, something as highly regarded. Right. I mean, like. Like there are people that there are obvious, you know, people that are opinionated one way or the other, but seemingly universally very, very highly regarded as a book. Yeah. Short of, you know, your typical few critics here or there. Most people within literary circles, not that we defer to them for our guidance or anything, but it it was surprising. I was exp- I, I certainly was expecting a little bit different things than what I necessarily got in here. And I, I attribute that, I guess, to not really having read anything by McCarthy before. Yeah. I, I just, um, I, I did a lot of soul searching in this book, like l- with myself as, as a reader, um, way more than, than any other book, um, that I've, that, that I've read in a long time, certainly that we've, we've done on this podcast and, you know, kind of, f- was constantly um, auditing uh, my own feelings and reactions yeah. to things, and the the disappointing thing for me um, was that that sort of audit wasn't about um, the the content, like the literary content of it. 
Um, it had more to do with like his style and all of that. Sure. Um, so I, I kind of want to like just talk about for a second. I, I want to ask you like what made this like mechanically a difficult book to read? Because for me, one of the one of the bright sides of this was that uh, things turn very quickly. Yes, you could go from one sentence to the next, and something extraordinary has has changed. We're in a different place. Um, the 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 movement of this tends to be very quick. It's not like Roth, who tended to to slog down sometime yeah. in, in details. This is sort of a, a constant a constant movement, which I was which I was thankful for. So I'm assuming it's not sort of the the plot movement that that you struggled with. So what was it specifically for you that made this a difficult read? You're right. I mean, like very much in this book, it's kind of written in a way of it's like, all right, and they did this and then they did this and then they did this. There right. wasn't, it was very sparse, like almost Hemingway-esque in that way. Like sure. I, I kind of mentioned that like before the podcast, yeah. that Hemingway was very kind of matter of fact, except for the things that he kind of felt a need to, to spend time on until elongate and usually yep. it was alcohol or womanizing sure. yeah. or whatever. You don't really get that in this book. You don't get a lot of emotions or anything that, that that a lot of time is spent on. It's more so like detail of where they are. I mean, I don't know how many times in the first, you know, 300 pages or, or not 300 pages, but you know, the first like good two thirds of this book where you, we've, we've been given details about them trudging through the desert and all of right, these sort right. of little asides and things that are in the desert and whatnot. And the hardest part for me was that, like I've said previously, the things that really grab and, and I gravitate to in fiction are characters mm -hmm. and plot. And I felt like this book was it was language. It wasn't so much that I mean, like, obviously, we, we have the kid. And as far as characters go later that we're just sort of to be, I don't know, introduced to the, the judge. I mean, well, I'm sure we can talk about uh, we could talk about Judge Holden a, a, a quite a bit here in a little bit. That was obviously the most. uh character sort of up for yeah interpretation for discussion for tidbits to have from but we need to talk about him that was that was the hardest part for me like was just getting into the book because like i said i kind of had this expectation because there's so much sort of that has been praised just lobbied on this and it was very um it's very difficult to reconcile that and and yeah. i think that's a problem sometimes when it comes with books that i've recommended so far is i i I create these expectations in my mind of what I think the book's going to be. And if it's not something that necessarily matches that, it's hard for me to kind of get over that and get past it and get, so I love the books you recommend. Sure. So it's like, whatever, I'll read it. That's fine. Yeah. But that, that was the most difficult part for me was like attaching myself in the story in a way that like I actually was genuinely like concerned and, and, and going about that. Cause there were really like all the characters, especially like towards the middle of the book and on, they all just kind of like, I don't know. They all just kind of like fuse together in this just like violent episode, like right. just constantly. And there's no, there's no emotion. There's no attachment there. And I very much, I long for that in the right. books that I read within fiction. So that was when it, when it was difficult for me, it was difficult for me because I, and there's no, you know, there's no, this isn't a book with a protagonist. They're all bad guys. Like even, even right. sympathetic characters, like, you know, the kid who we're supposed to believe, I guess is as sympathetic as we can get in sure. this situation with these characters. But it's just not people that you're just hell bent on like seeing their exploits and go through. And it's, it's, it just becomes a very, I don't know. It just becomes like a trial of like, I'm going to get through it because I feel like there's maybe a lesson to be learned here. Or there's some, you know, sort of, truth that I need to find out. And I don't know, I don't, I don't necessarily 
that's not necessarily what I look for in fiction first off. Yeah. And that was the toughest part for me, kind of getting into the book in that regard. It was very like I I appreciated the I appreciated the style of writing. It was kind of the the interactions between guys. Uh, it was well written, but just it was very like expository. There was not a whole lot of depth yeah. to the things that were being said outside of, you know, the little judgeisms or judge asides, which I think were kind of the somewhat redeeming factor for me in this book, kind of the like philosophical nature that it took on kind of like with the, with nihilism and just like, uh, you know, talking a lot about war sure, and a sure. lot about like human nature and just like, that's what this book was. It was all about just kind of like the worst aspect of human nature and just the complete, you know, we, we have a tendency when we think about, and I do this too, it's, yo, you think about the old West or the wild West. It's just this like rugged American adventurous time. Yeah. And it's like, this is very much just, it's like, no, it was just this bloody, just lawless, you know, escapade of human violence and human depravity in so many ways. And yeah. it was just very ugly and laid bare in this book. And that's tough sometimes to just like get into sure. get into that and just get in with it. Yeah, so I I think the thing that I that I struggled with, I think you hit on some of the some of my main things, but my my biggest thing again is is just it goes to McCarthy's style. And um, you know, whether you're reading uh you know, praise for for his work or um, you know, people who who can't uh, seem to get through it, you know, there, there are always kind of these, these same themes that come up. Right. Yeah. And so like he has this, uh, he has this thing with grammar, right? He doesn't, uh, he doesn't properly punctuate, um, you know, dialogue and, um, he uses incomplete sentences and, um, his thing, uh, is that, he sees that as an efficiency. Um, so when I was, when I was doing some, again, like I did a lot of like, you know, just soul searching about this. And, and, uh, I read some of, uh, some of the interviews he gave. And one, one of the things that he said about his punctuation use was that there's no reason to, uh, quote, blot up the page with weird little marks unquote. And, you know, okay. On one hand, I can appreciate that Hemingway has, has does that as well. We talked about that in a farewell to arms, yeah. In that chaotic scene that was in like the bar or something, where it was just like a paragraph of it's just a chunk, yeah, just and, and not like, like stream of, but yeah, just kind of like a chunk of words. And it's sometimes it's it's difficult to read and and sort of yeah digest that when it's just kind of presented to you like that because we're not used to that or at least I'm right. not used to that, right? So what what I found myself doing a lot. Um, is, you know, having to go back and reread things, right? You have to go read a, a section of dialogue again to go, okay, who the fuck was he talking to? And then who started it? So I know who was next and then, you know, who was whatever. Yeah. And then, um, you know, same thing with, with his, his sentence structures, um, you know, people, and, and you mentioned it too, like, you know, credit him for, for his brevity, um, in, in some of his language, well, he's, he's not really that, that brief in, in most of it. Yeah. I mean, he gets these long, incoherent, um, you know, kind of rambling descriptions about stuff. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to actually read one because I, I think it, it like underlines my point. And I, I've got quite a few of these that, you know, I want to talk through throughout the course of the episode. Okay. Um, because I, I think, I think it's important that that you know we have conversations about the things that we don't like and we really try to understand you know what it is and you know certainly 
Um, I think it's it's great that um, there are, there are different styles and uh, and ways of, of telling a story. But you know, I also think you you have to recognize and you and you have to uh, you have to accept what you know you you appreciate. So sure. the, um, the the part that that I'm going to read um, makes another point, uh, another couple points. Um, you got a page number for me so I can follow yeah, it's, along. Yeah, it's page 195. Um, and it's actually kind of dim in here. So I'm going to turn the lights up a bit. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do something better. I'm going to use my perfect, use my phone flashlight. Like, like I'm an old, old guy at the, uh, at the dim expensive restaurant trying to read the fucking menu. Perfect. Uh, okay. So, uh, page 195, he's, he's talking about one of the, uh, uh, one of the times that they're going through the, the desert. Uh, and I'm going to mispronounce some of these things, and I'm terrible at reading out loud, so laugh if you want to. Just don't hurt my feelings. Uh, they pass through a highland meadow carpeted with wildflowers, acres of golden groundsel and zinnia, and deep purple gentian, and wild vines of blue morning glory, and a vast plain of varied small blooms reaching onward like a gingham print to the farthest serried rimlands, blue and ha- blue with haze, and the adamanti, adamanti ranges rising out of nothing like the backs of sea beasts in a Devonian dawn. It was raining again, and they rode slouched under slickers, hacked from greasy, half-cured hides. And so cowled in these primitive skins before the gray and driving rain, they looked like wardens of some dim sect sent forth to proselytize among the very beasts of the land. And forgive me for probably mispronouncing half of those things. You're good. But so... He gets he he gets on these sort of like rants and I mean in in that one sentence he he nests two similes in, into the same thing where he's talking about uh, the wildflowers like yeah. prints and then he goes and adds another one after that and so it's this like it's this convoluted language and there is there is something poetic about some of his his word choice yeah. for sure um, uh, but I don't th- I don't think he he really in his entirety is what people think or say that he is, which is which is simple and direct. I think he is he is indirect. I think he tends to be artificially obtuse in some of his language. Like that word what was it uh, proselytize or whatever proselytize proselytize. Thank yeah. you. It basically means to like go out and preach, right? Yeah. And and so there there are four or five other other words that he could have used in that sentence to get his point across and to not be jarring in its in its use or its language but instead what what he does is is he's like you know somebody trying to add like uh SAT words to to his sentences and he like artificially inflates the artistry in his language i believe um and and it makes it it makes it difficult to get through right yeah like I said, I, I did feel like there was this like this weird uh, kind of dichotomy there where you have in a lot of ways like the things like the actions of the the, the actions that that the, the band is going through. It's, yeah. it's done very matter of factly. It's he did this, then he did this, then he did right. this, then they did that. And it's like, OK, I get that, that you're that you're brief and, you know, we're kind of we're moving a lot of things along. But at the same time, then, yeah, you have these like weird just sort of abstractions about the places they are just kind of moody elements to the story. And it, it does feel like that. It does feel like it's like, well, maybe it's like a compensation for kind of, we're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm brief yeah. here. And then we're going to kind of inject all of this 
excess elsewhere. You got another one for yeah, me. Yeah, so I have the opposite of that, where he's he's describing a, a scene, and he does he does a great job, in my opinion, and it's it's really good. So this is page twenty three. This is super early on. Okay. Um, and uh, he's describing uh, as the kid is is coming into this uh, this one town, and he says he went down a narrow sandy road, and as he went, he met a dead cart. Uh, bound out with a load of corpses, a small bell tolling the way and a lantern swinging from the gate. Three men sat on the box, not unlike the dead themselves or spirit folk, so white they were with lime and nearly phosphorescent in the dusk. A pair of horses drew the cart and they went up the road in a faint miasma of carbolic and passed from sight. He turned and watched them go, the naked feet of the dead jostling swiftly from side to side. So... uh, like I, I, the the feet thing got me. When I read that, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's yeah. that's that's awesome." So like he he does he does these the here he has these moments right like that where I think he's very clear. It draws you into this like very concrete idea of of where we are and, and what's going on. Yeah, and then he just like throws out some you know deeply like m- not even metaphoric but like just junk thing like i read previously where it's convoluted it's 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 a giant like run-on sentence no punctuation to help you like determine sort of where to take breaks and you know i that's what makes mccarthy difficult so that was your your issue is more just this kind of like inconsistency in the way that he wrote or no it well but you have to combine the his his penchant for making things intentionally more difficult to to read and comprehend yeah. By by his his use of his language, pair that with his failure to adhere to the sort of basic constructs of, of punctuation and grammar that guide people as they read. And then suddenly you have something that is is, you know, difficult, but not for the right reasons. It's not right. difficult because it makes you think it's not difficult in in the way that, you know, poets sometimes shuck. Uh, you know, punctuation to to drive home a point where a sentence break um, can can leave you lingering on a certain word, even though it's in the same sentence yeah. and it's it's not a complete thought. I think I really genuinely at my core um, have have a problem with the way that McCarthy writes. And I think, you know, people and, and everybody in the world might disagree with me. And that's the great part, again, about literature is that, you know, you can have your opinions on on what is what is great but i also think you need to have frank conversations about the things that that writers are doing and yeah. you know punctuation and grammar exist to help people like understand word choice we can throw that aside as personal preference but i completely disagree with with his thing and i think he's contrary to himself in that you know he doesn't want to use punctuation but then he goes and throws garbage words and run-on sentences and shitty descriptions all together he's not trying to be brief he's not trying to be concise he's trying to be artistic and i think it's i think it's a shit way and i i really think that it's just completely artificial yeah, I mean, I can I can see that that the the difficulty behind reading this is more manufactured than actually like because it's I mean, a much more diplomatic way to say. Well, it. Yeah, when you look at I mean, when you look at the subject matter that we're talking about in here and, and just the story that you're trying to tell, like that in of itself to me is a difficult enough concept. And even when we get into the judges, yeah. like that was a bulk of the book that I think was, you know, 
more uh, mentally stimulating. I, you don't need those sort of artificial injections of things to kind of create that sort of, I don't know, extra hurdle that people have to get over. Like I, I'm yeah. not saying that everything that you read has to be just so plainly, you know, understandable and, and written in, you know, the easiest terms or the, the easiest way to understand it. Like I right. understand that there is that, that writing is an art and the style with which people go about telling their stories very much says a lot about themselves. And it says a lot about the way that they appreciate stories being told and being consumed and all that stuff. But I do agree that there was there was a hint of that in reading this that you kind of felt like there was this imposed complexity yeah. that didn't necessarily need to be there as a barrier between you and what you're trying to take in. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and, I I and and I think yeah, your 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 passages highlight that to some extent for and sure. The, so that's the long and short that I've got. I'm I'm actually not going to rag on him anymore. Um, like, it, did I, you I have feel, a lot? No, 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 that was the point that I that oh. I wanted to make in this episode, and and that that was kind of your point. That was mostly your your uh, your point of contention with with McCarthy. Yeah, and it's 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 him in here. It's, it's and, him. Well, in yeah, the road and, and as the well. road. The road is it's because I would assume it's the same style. I would assume yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's okay. it's the same exact thing. Um, so I I just I, I just want to like say sort of as you know on a personal level. If if I wasn't doing this this book for the podcast, and I actually did seriously consider with less than a hundred pages to go, to just put this book down and say I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um. And I I, I decided which would have been, which would have been too bad because I actually for all the book's faults I enjoyed the last like fifty so fifty or so pages of this okay. book. I think that a lot of the a lot of like those first you know two thirds, three quarters of the book or whatever. It's a lot yeah. of what you're talking about with the problem, but I actually kind of enjoyed the the conclusion and the resolution of this book. So uh, I would just say that, you know, if, if, if you're reading for fun, obviously not for, uh, you know, not for a podcast or, you know, for a degree or something like that. And, and you encounter something that you, fundamentally don't agree with and i and i don't mean that like you know from from content because I, I i do think that you need to read things that that you don't agree with you know whether it's an opinion or uh or content or whatever um you know but when you when you read a book that you feel strongly that the writer is doing something um untoward which i i think mccarthy does in his style yeah it's okay to put it down like you don't have to you don't have to read Blood Meridian or uh, or the Road, just because you know these are these are well thought of books. They they won a Pulitzer. Um, you know the the guys like Harold Bloom can can be wrong. You don't yeah. have to agree with with with, with everybody. Hundred percent on board so, with you there. You know if if anybody actually you know read this this book with us and and had a negative reaction and you didn't finish it, like good for you. I, I feel like that's that's fine. But, you know, I also think that you need to think about what it is exactly and be able to concisely articulate why you reacted the, the way you did. Sure. Uh, like I tried to. So all that said, I don't want to I don't want to shit on on, you know, this this book for for an hour. I feel like I, I do feel a little bit bad about the Asimov episode uh, because I, I ragged on him endlessly. So I want to share my favorite part and then let's let's get into like other discussions. OK. So my favorite part was on 178, and this is when they first got paid, uh, I forget the town. Uh, Chihuahua? Was it might have been Chihuahua, Chihuahua, where they, they have the, uh, the, the first like real big like crazy party 
and and everything. I think this was Chihuahua. Everything's nuts, um, and it's I, the, really the the most detailed uh, sort of debauchery that they have. So uh, on page one seventy eight says. Uh, fights broke out, furniture was disassembled, men waving chair legs, candle stands, two whores grappled and pitched into a sideboard and went to the floor in a crash of brandy glasses. This is my favorite part of the entire book. Jackson, this is Black Jackson, pistols drawn, lurched into the street, vowing to shoot the ass off Jesus Christ, the long-legged white son of a bitch. <laughs> I... I, I he's not known for humor and no, there's nothing else that I think even approaches humor. Was this this was this, this the bar? Was this after he shot the was this the bar that they the the keeper was originally not going to let uh, uh the Black Jackson in? I think I think this was before that. I was think it? yeah, this is this is when they first together. took their their big scalps uh th- their big haul of scalps in and got all of the gold coins. I'm I'm almost yeah. This was in almost positive. Okay. Um. So I just I thought I'd I'd add some levity like that that part like vowing to shoot the the, the, the ass, ass off, off Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ that <laughs> white long legged son of a bitch. <laughs> now, but so obviously I've got a lot to talk about the judge. Yeah. Before we get to that, was there any was there any other character I guess in the gang that really. I don't know, stood out to you as somebody worthy of like taking a moment to think about, because to me, like I said, I think a lot of them, like, uh, I mean, like Toad Vine and, and Tobin to some extent, and I guess like even the black Jackson. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like they have moments, but so much of it just kind of, they all just kind of fuse together. And it's like, you know, it's, it's not even so much that, you know, so-and-so is committing an act of violence or doing something. It's like, they're just this collective just this collective primal, I don't know, like just act of just violence and depravity. And yeah. There wasn't I, anything in particular about, which was, which was a little bit, you know, it was like, well, you know, so much is, and I get that so much of that is kind of a vacuum because of how much Holden, how much the judge like fills that sort of ominous, like character role in the story. Yeah. Um, but I mean, was there anybody else in well, the group? Glanton, I, I and 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 Glanton and, does and, have and, some moments. So I guess. so uh, to, to your earlier point, I don't think there was a character other than the judge or judge. Um, which, by the way, I ha- I have uh, an uncle or a great uncle, uh, yeah. and and we we called him Judge. Like his kids, his wife. Was he a judge? Uh, no, he wasn't a judge. He was just a big mother. He just and, judged uh, people. Yeah, he was he was a big guy. Uh, he was in uh, uh, Air Force, I think, in in World War II. But he Good. was like six five, just built like a like a Clydesdale. He's a big guy, and everybody called him Judge. Uh, anyway, um. I think Judge was the only character that was ever developed in this book. With sure. you know, I, I don't I don't think that's uh, that's up for negotiation. the The reason I say Glanton um, is I was really curious about like the relationship between the two, like why Glanton was uh, always so willing to go along with with Judge, sort of unquestioningly, and I, I wondered like at what point that sort of took hold, and like so. I, I was I was just curious about that entire situation. Yeah, I mean, just like even the way they meet him, it's just it's very because you know the whole thing the whole time with with judges it's it's so he's kind of this like 
not mystical, but there is that like air of like mysticism around him to some degree. Sure. Yeah. That I think like just sort of like emanates. I mean, even just even just outside of his like physical presence, just like everybody in the gang is they're very, you know, they're quiet. They don't want to, you know, say something around him. And it's just I think it's he's just kind of this like physical representation of just everything about about this book, whether it's just the violence or just the kind of the ideas that he brings up when it comes to just men's nature and war. And I mean, I guess he was just sort of a vehicle for for that. But yeah, it was it was kind of weird that it was like it was Glanton's gang, but you would always see kind of judge the judge sort of like steering the direction for whenever, like for example, when they were getting like the tarot cards and all of that, like judge was, he was the one that was kind of, uh, he was the one that was kind of like presiding that show. Yeah. Yeah, And keeping things kind of kosher whenever it was kind of getting a little bit out of hand. And, you know, when was it? I forget. It wasn't, it wasn't in Chihuahua that which whatever town they were, where Glanton just was kind of going crazy. And so judge was the one that like went and tied him up and kind of like, yeah, had that moment of of kind of like looking after him, but it was weird. You know, you kind of that's sort of at odds with the whole rest of what we see throughout the whole book with him and just his like weird, weird nature and just weird, you know, well, not even weird, like God, just like un, just like unbridled, just violence and just hatred and, and all the stuff with the kids. And yeah. Just, Throwing the puppies off the bridge. Did, yeah. Did, what judge did that, right? Yeah. 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 And yeah, I mean you know, there there's you could make the argument, you know, and and certainly the the characters brought it up at a few points like, you know, whether or not um, you know, judges is, is Satan, you know, personified like he's the devil. Yeah. Um I I think that's probably not the case because McCarthy also doesn't like magical realism. But you also get the stuff that's like, you know, he hasn't aged when he, we meet him at the end of the book. And there's always those, you know, yeah. like moments where like when he has the coin or when he like walks through the fire, just yeah. like all these moments of his where it's you kind of like flirt with that. I mean, even just the way they found him, like they're like right. the gang is running from Apaches and he's just sitting alone like on a rock yeah. in the desert. So, and everyone had so everyone at some point had encountered him. I mean, um, you know, kid like encountered him in Nacogdoches of all places. Right. Go yeah. Nac, by the yeah. way, Axum Jacks. But uh, yeah, man, that was I don't know. It it felt like it felt like he wasn't like it wasn't out there. Like oh, this is supposed to be you know the the physical representation of violence and you know the all the horrible things of man or or the devil or like an old, old testament cuz there was a lot of stuff yeah. in this book especially with the way the judge shopped that was very like biblical or at least like the like fire and brimstone you know moments right. of like the right. old testament like literal brimstone when he makes gunpowder but whatever yeah just like that it's like okay is he the like that wrathful nature of of like god or is he you know it's you you kind of want to you kind of get drawn into stuff like that. Sure. Um, I, I think, I think for me, just knowing that like McCarthy tends to be a bit more practical in yeah. like his, his uh, like personification of things. Like, sure. Um, I, I think that, that really judge, he, you know, isn't the personification of, of the devil and, and, and not even violence. I think the if you want to take anything away from that character, 
it's really that he's the personification of of what happens when you don't have a reaction anymore to violence. Yeah. When, you know, you become so uh, used to war, to death, to uh, making, you know, those those types of decisions. Sure. Um, He's he's really empathetic. uh, And I'm, I'm kind of forming this thought. So just bear with me. He's really empathetic to uh, like collecting, you know, leaves and and some of these observations of like random things that he finds in the desert, right? Symbols, yeah. and you know, he talks about trying to collect all of these things so he can he can understand them and have uh, command over them. Um, but he never uh, he never does the same with violence. He never. Uh, tries to to step back and and assess why uh you know a certain thing happened why they ran off uh the guys on the mountains uh with with all the mules right yeah um he, he he never takes inventory of that the way that uh the way that he does everything else and so the the, the thing that I think that I walk away from with Judge is that uh when you don't stand back and 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 try to understand the atrocities in in life and and things that that you're involved with that you become this like grotesque figure right this yeah. this sort of myth to the people you know around you and uh yeah i i, I just pulled that all out of my butt I mean, yeah, no, I get that. Because a lot of this, too, I mean, this book, it's it, this wasn't just completely pulled out of, like, McCarthy's imagination. Like, there right. was some grounded reality. I forget what it was. I'm, I'm probably wrong. I'm trying to remember this. I think the a guy by the name of Samuel Chamberlain, he wrote, uh, he wrote a journal, or it was a, it was a recollection. The Glanton Gang was a real entity in the time following the, really? uh, the Mexican-American War. Yeah, and so a lot of this is kind of taken from, if you look at Chamberlain, or I'm, I'm probably wrong, I think his name was Samuel Chamberlain, as uh, it's it's kind of like a, it's not a memoir, but a lot of uh, a lot of what is to be perceived as happening in that area is based on actual events, true things that happen. So guys like, uh, like Holden, they're based off of real people. And so I do, I do understand that where you're coming from, that it's less, it's less like a, like a, like a mysticism portion of it or less kind of like uh maybe less philosophically in like religiously in that way and more yeah. philosophically in what happens when you reach that point of, of just desensitization or detachment or just plain, just no moral, uh, I don't know, no moral connection to, to, to human activity or human life or, or something like that. When yeah. you become so detached from that, like that's kind of, what can happen that's kind of what can manifest in your mind like those are the kind of people that you know you see in various instances throughout society whether you want to call them sociopaths or whether you want to call them just you know whatever that commit horrible atrocities that that's kind of that's what uh the judge represents a extreme end of that because let's let's face it there are no protagonists in this book everyone in the gang is is yeah, it's, it's horrible. They're yeah. horrible people and they do horrible things. And the judge, but I feel that some of them have not completely detached from that sense of morality. Like maybe they don't, they don't, uh, they don't speak it. They don't necessarily exercise it or act on it. Sure. But in the things that you kind of see that they still have that, uh, that degree of attachment to it. 
that the judge yeah. clearly does not. Like he has clearly gone above and beyond that point of just detachment from from kind of that moral level of of war and violence. Yeah. So one one thing I was thinking about did how did you react to the violence? Because like I I had the impression that like you know, it was sort of exhausting, right? Like, yeah. it, it was just like, you know, uh, repetitive and continuous. And, and it was it was gruesome. Um, but it was more, I think, out of annoyance to me than it was, like, out of actual, like, uh, shock or, like, being appalled. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then... I, uh, first of all, what was what was your reaction to the actual violence? Like, just take stock of like, how did you actually feel about it? Um, I don't know. I'm a very, I'm a very visual person. So if things that get to me, um, whether it's in really any medium of like emotion, whether it's sad, whether it's angry, whether it's disgust, anything like that, or just you know terror or uncomfortableness you know, mm-hmm. with violence or something like that. I'm very much a visual person, like reading things sure. and reading that stuff. It doesn't really have that profound of an effect on me in the way that, um, you know, I would see, I would feel a lot of people would maybe feel just like the idea of those, of those kind of things happening. It's not foreign to my mind in a sense that I'm not naive to think, you know, the stuff that happens in this book is a, as atrocious as it is. It's not something that's entirely surprising to me when I'm thinking about the things going on in that time. So yeah, I feel like if you're past that whole surprise and shock level from the violence, um, you know, the gruesomeness of it, it didn't really affect me. And I felt like it was one of those things like the first the first little bit, it's like, oh, OK, this is the book we're getting into. This yeah. is this yeah. is the level of violence that I'm to expect for the rest of the book. And when you get towards the latter part of it, you're just kind of you just kind of have grown numb to it and accepted it. Whatever, but I don't think the violence really. Uh, I don't think it was too much of a hurdle, um, and whether that speaks volumes about me <laughs> or not, I don't know. But I, like I said, I'm I'm a very visual person, and yeah. so things conveyed in that medium um, are much more effective as far as sort of leaving sort of resonating effects or, or causing me moments of uh, you know emotional discomfort from them. You know, so I I got to thinking, you know, sort of pulling us out of the book then. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in, in our world. And, and, you know, I think, I think that our generation is sort of the, the, the front end of the millennial generation, yeah. having been plenty old enough to experience, you know, nine 11 and then, um, you know, school shootings and several wars. Um, I, I will be the first to admit that like, in, in my heart of hearts, I think, you know, all of those things are, are terrible things. Every time I, I, you know, hear about a new school shooting, you know, it just, um, intellectually, I know that it's a terrible thing, but I have got to be honest that at this point in my life, I do feel very desensitized to those, those sort of things. And I, I want, I wish that I knew sort of like how to like, feel more about situations like that. And I sort of, that's one of the things that I kind of step back from this book. And I think that's, if there is a point 
to to this book, um, which I think we could talk about some more. Is kind of you know what's the you know what's the the big message here, or is there one? The one thing that I thought about a lot was just sort of like the my own personal like desensitization, if that's the right word, yeah. of of uh, of violence in in the actual like real world. And you know how do you how do you deal with that, right? Like I, I don't know. I I don't I don't know how you um how you emotionally engage with with some of the the things that that we have to deal with as a society or frankly if if that's even a healthy thing to do um i mean you know sure that we've developed uh you know subconscious uh coping mechanisms to to deal with that sort yeah. of stuff um and you know it doesn't i don't think make me a bad person necessarily to to not like genuinely like you know cry every time you know a bunch of kids get killed. Um, even though I think that would be a completely appropriate reaction. Um, but I, I think there is a, 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 a big thought there that, um, if, you know, by the end of this, you do sort of just get this taste in your mouth, like, okay, this is the world. And that's kind of the way I feel about, you know, things that happen here. I think, yeah, and I think that's the flip side of that is I think with good experiences too, I think there's always a, Sure. There's always a shock and a value to newness or new experiences or new events or anything like that. And anytime you have kind of repeated occurrences of that after, mm-hmm. you know, a certain amount of time, you're going to you're going to eventually get get pulled out of that of that, you know, overwhelming kind of emotional feeling regardless of whether it's good, bad, otherwise. Like I feel that that's just at least in my experience that's just kind of what what goes along with with existence and yeah. you know, it's 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 tough because you don't want to anything that happens, you know, you don't want to diminish the the weight of it. But I think just in our nature, we do that regardless. And I don't know exactly how you, you know, unring that bell. Like, you know, I don't know how you go yeah. back to um, seeing things the same way. Maybe the first time that you saw them, the first few times that you witnessed or experienced something that was, you know, emotionally scarring or you know even again on the flip side if it was uh you know a tremendous experience a very fulfilling experience you know so yeah a lot of this book kind of i i think that that is a big instance in that and you see that just with the way that the characters not necessarily act because i think from the get-go uh they're a good deal desensitized i think there are some instances where you know we get a little bit more so um but as a reader, you know, you go into this not necessarily being on that level yet, and you come out kind of at the end with a little bit higher degree of that just sure, because you're just sure. constantly bombarded with it. But I would be interested. This would be a book that I would be interested that that had I not, or maybe if I kind of, uh, I don't know, if I process that kind of emotional thing a little bit differently through like reading mm-hmm. as I do with, with more visual and auditory mediums, um, that I think I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what that experience would look like because I could definitely see um, for people that are more, I don't know, more open to that. I could definitely see how this book would have a little bit more of a profound effect with with what it was trying to do in that regard. Yeah. So this is this is like super appropriate. I, I, we're going to start hearing thunder in the background. Yeah. Uh, we got a big 
big thunderstorm uh, rolling through. Rolling so through the studio. We should just record over it. Like I, I, It's the perfect soundtrack to this book, well, let's, to, let's to be do honest. It. Especially if we're going to get into judgism. I was just going to say, you you have judgisms. I had one one that, if you don't bring it up, uh, that I'll bring up. I think it's a, it's a perfect way to round out this episode. Okay. So what, what I are have your three, reasons? I just have three. Two of them, uh, I mean, these are things that, uh, if you've read the book, like it's, they're obvious points that are made that are kind of pulled out. And they're kind of just points of discussion where it's, you know, they're either around a campfire or judges like saying a story or, or doing something of like that. But there's they kind of get into a little bit more kind of descriptive. And these these were yeah. some of the things that I enjoyed most about the book, because I do think that like nihilism and kind of the philosophy in this book in regards to just human nature and war and violence and all that stuff. I do think those are nuggets to be taken out of here and actually analyzed and thought about. And anytime anytime I can get that in fiction, anytime anytime I can get something um, fascinating in that regard, like that's, that's kind of the stuff that I gravitate to whenever I don't have that story element that really is super gripping or character that's really super gripping to me. Yeah. So, all right, first judgism. Uh, Talking about war. War is the truest form of divination. It is the testing of one's will and the will of another within the larger will, which, because it binds them, is therefore forced to select. War is the ultimate game because war is at last a forcing of the unity of existence. War is God. Man, I mean, that's... Lots of digest. Yeah. Like in, in just a little paragraph. So just kind of like just, just breaking it down. Because, you know, in the bigger scope of this talking about this, it's kind of the idea of why, you know, um, like men and children like gravitate towards like playing games because right. it's like the truest form of, you know, whether it's life or death, you know, I, I don't know. I just, just taking this out of here, just the idea of, of war in a biblical sense, or, or at least the, you know, he ends up with war is God. So just kind of like thinking of, of this like purest nature of like human beings sort of, sort of serving the divine would be yeah. through, you know, imposing one's will or, or, or testing each other in that, in that sort of facet. And I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty common, um, concept, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, movies or, or, sure. or books, um, you know, that life, life and death, irrespective of, uh, your, your belief system, yeah. Uh, or or lack thereof, um, they are inevitable. You are alive at, at this point, and you will be dead at, at, at some other point. And sure. y- yeah, I, th- I think you know war not only is the sort of like terminal, uh, or is a, is a very like clear way to to decide which course yeah. uh, you'll either remain or 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 uh, or I guess end Parish. on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that not that this book gets into it uh, at all, but, you know, sometimes you do find like the the best parts about being human in in war as well, whether that's, you know, charity, brotherhood, like those like those sort of subjects also come up again. This book does not deal no. with that shit. Uh, but, but that is a subsect of it. Yeah, but that of is human nature. That is is very much the just black and white. I like that. Quote. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought up like uh, brought up kind of the other natures of it because the this is kind of a continuing uh, a continuation um, when we're talking about kind of the same subject. He says it makes no difference what men think of war. War endures. 
as well ask men what they think of stone. War was always here. Before man, war waited for him, waited on him. The ultimate trade awaiting its ultimate predator. I like that sentence. Yeah. That is the way it was and will be. The ultimate trade awaiting its ultimate predator. And they go in kind of in a little bit more discussion talking about like, I forget who it was. Um, I guess it was... It was Brown where he had, he had he had asked him and he was like, well, this is your trade, White, because he's kind of talking to a few of them mm-hmm. and they're they're thinking it over and they're talking about it. And it's just the idea of war is the ultimate trade and just how all of the how like all of the facets, I guess, of, of human of human effort and human work, like you can find it in those type of scenarios, like whether or not it's necessarily yeah, yeah. its most pure and benevolent form. You can find so many things kind of within that that I don't know. I just thought. I, I, I really enjoyed, like I said, I really enjoyed kind of the, the moments where we had these sort of asides and discussion and, and kind of judgisms. But that was that was more so just a continuation of that. But I like okay. that you brought up kind of, you don't really get it in this book, the, the other things that are inherent outside of just the violence and the just sort of, I guess, the the conflict that you find within war, yeah. within kind of the human existence, you know, the paradigm of life and death and, and whatnot, but that you do find sort of the, the, the variety of human experience within that. And yeah. so when you say it's the ultimate trade for the ultimate predator, I think that fits in a lot with, with not necessarily what this book is trying to say, but just what you think about war beyond just the violence of it. The, yeah. The brutality of it. Yeah. What was your third one? Last one was just, uh, I mean, this is just a little quotable that that I think uh, kind of just is a little bit about the judge character period. But whenever he's collecting, you know, his his things, his his findings and whatever, this and he's talking about too. whatever exists without my knowledge exists without my consent. And later he goes on to say, only nature can enslave man. And only when the existence of each last entity is routed out and made to stand naked before him, will he be properly suzerain of the earth. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because mine was, um, mine was pretty similar. What page was that one from? Did you write it down? I forget. I didn't write the page down. So it, it doesn't matter, but this is, this is, well, this was, I, I kind of put two together because okay. when he's talking about what exists without my knowledge exists without my consent. And then I later that kind of like fit in with it. I think this, I think this might've been from the same conversation, but I'd have to read ahead and behind. But the one that I had was, is, is the same, same subject. Uh, says the, uh, the judge tilted his hand, uh, tilted his great head. Uh, the man who believes that the secrets of the world are forever hidden lives in mystery and fear. Superstition will drag him down. The rain will erode the deeds of his life, but the man who sets himself to the task of singling out the thread of order from the tapestry will be uh, the de- uh, sorry will by the decision alone have taken charge of the world, and it is only by such taking charge that he will effect a way to dictate the terms of his own fate. Yeah, that's so basically They're very restating similar. The, same, the yeah. same sort of thing, but that was one of the first things that I I highlighted in the book, and actually like. I really kind of like that sentiment in in a way um, because I, I do think that, you know, knowledge and understanding is is empowering. Yeah. Uh, I disagree that that always, you know, uh, means that you then have the power to, to, to dictate fate, which I don't believe in fate, but 
dictate the outcome of of your life. Yeah. Um, there are you know just too many variables in you know human existence, including other people. Yeah. Uh, that that make that impossible. But you know, I th- I think the, the the sentiment is is good. Uh, but again, you know, Judge goes through and you know tries to catalog you know physical things, but never really takes stock of his. Uh, his interaction with the world and his, his presence in it, all he's trying to do is, is to try to ingest, you know, other things, um, which I think is, is counterintuitive to what we just read in, in both of those quotes. Yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, along the same vein, it's just kind of the idea of, like we said, it's, it's, he's very, he's very past the, the emotional ramifications of, of his life. And it's very much, and, and you know, even at the end of the book, after he, after he kills the kid or the man at that time, and it's, yeah. you know, he's, he's dancing and it's, I, I never sleep and I'll never die. And it's just this idea of, of having power over your, over your environment. And just this, this, this like urge to go out and, and to seek out knowledge is as though it's a tool to be used to control the very world around you. And to some extent, it is. Yeah. To some extent, it is. Sure. But to the degree with which we're led to believe... Ooh. That was a good one. Uh, to the gr- degree that we're led to believe that he kind of feels that, that I don't know, responsibility that it's, you know, he, he needs to seek out and acquire this this knowledge and and in doing so, he will then become the custodian of his own fate. It just, it's, it's not very realistic. But... In in terms of the book, it is because but he's killed. Book, it he's is. killed. I mean, if if you assume that he killed the kid, which why wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, he t- took control. Everybody yeah. else is dead. Yeah. I, his philosophy worked at least for him. At least yeah. until the point in which you know the book ends. Very happy ending to a very happy book filled yeah, with very happy characters. Maybe not. Waiting for the thunder. Oh, there it is. Okay, that's all right. It was it was close. I saw that louder. I saw the flash. Uh, so maybe that means we should get off of our electronic equipment. Is there anything else that that you want to talk through on this book? I mean, we uh, could we could do multiple. We episodes. could we could get into it a little bit on this one, but yeah, I mean, I, a lot of what I'm going to say, I guess, comes out when I'm talking about the where I'm rating it. So okay, just, just I can get into that a little bit. And I mean, like I said, I think so much of this book. Um, for me, it's, it's down a little bit just because I didn't, I didn't necessarily get what I always am trying to look for and Mm -hmm. what I think. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing that I guess we can kind of get into a little bit quickly is like, obviously we don't need to rush this book. You know, it's very highly regarded and we know that I know that people read for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. And I know that especially people with, with literary minds and people that are very keen to, to analyze the things and the works that they read and go into, they can see a lot of things in these books that um, they can appreciate, not so much enjoy, but appreciate and sure. respect in the craft and in the things that, that go into that. I'm very much, and I, I, you know, I've always been this way with fiction. I'm very much a person that I love it. it and I, it, it may seem shallow or it may seem, you know, very, reductionist because I know that there's a lot of things that go into 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 fiction into what would be considered good fiction there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of variables there that you know you could pull a lever here or whatnot and 
and something pops out and it works for somebody and it doesn't work for someone else. I always, I always, always, always above all else when I'm reading a story and it's a story of fiction, I want to hear about somebody, something. I want to have something to, t- to latch onto. I'm very much invested in stories and people and kind of um, just examinations of human experience. Sure. And this book had, this book was like kind of in that realm, but, um, there's just not, not, not really, not really in a sense of what I'm looking for in a book. I will say that I did appreciate a lot of the, a lot of the, I don't know, philosophical nuggets that are kind of in the book. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, and not even just ones that are like explicitly talked about amongst the, the characters, but just the. The whole over the whole overlook of the book is just kind of you're 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 looking at this whole situation and you're trying to sort of get it in a lens of 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 your own sort of moral compass or your own sort of where you are as a person and it's it's very difficult in a lot of ways to reconcile this and and in a lot of ways it's it's uncomfortable for a reason because things like this should be uncomfortable. Sure, yeah. Experiences like this should be uncomfortable, and I think that to some degree I can appreciate that in a in a work of fiction is that it made you uncomfortable because if you're comfort, you're not if if you're always comfortable in everything that you do, especially even with reading, then you're not growing. You're yeah. just you're yeah. just you're just indulging. Yep. And so for that reason, I do respect this book. Um, and if you've got anything you want to talk about, I, you know, I can get into a little bit more with our ratings. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've said my piece with, with, you know, stylistically. Yeah. And, and my, my impression of this book that aside is, is not too dissimilar in that, you know, I think character drives good stories. Absolutely. And I, to me, you know, literature begins and ends with the people that are in that and not the the things that are going on. And, you know, maybe McCarthy deserves a little bit of credit for kind of turning that model on its head a little bit to, to some effect, yeah. I think, in this book. Um, you know, but in my opinion, doesn't, you know, just knock it out of the park. Um <sighs> For me, I got the impression. So, like, we play video games, right? Like, uh, and I don't Spoiler. know if I want to admit admit that to a little to, bit to everybody. A lot less lately. It's, it's too yeah Been yeah reading more. So, but but one of the cool things about video games in our lifetime is that you know we now have these like very immersive like first person uh, experiences. If you want to go play like you know first person like RPG role playing game or or first person shooter like. You can be in World War II. You can be in post-apocalyptic America, you know, after a nuclear war. Sure. Um, and uh, and there are stories and 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 things that that draw you into this this environment, right? And you know, when when video games started for us, you know, it was two-dimensional sort of side scroller things, right? Like you were always moving left Just to right on the, on the screen, yeah. And uh, and for me. 
when when you look at some of the other books we've read, this this sort of harkened back to the sort of the 2D side scrollers. I felt like, you know, we were just sort of hopping over these obstacles. We were going through these different, um, you know, these different scenes. Uh, we were encountering different things. But it was it was never immersive in the experience. It was never immersive in you know the the characters, um, and the the point of it, which I mean is is kind of again sort of a McCarthyism, if you will, is that there there really isn't a clear point. Um, and I'm okay with that. We've read books that sort of end on on that flat note and make you go, huh? So what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. And I'm I'm okay with that. But I I think when you take everything you know in its entirety um you know it was it was just very very flat for me and yeah i did bring my uh my preconceived notions about him and yes i was you know angered by uh you know his his utilization of, of grammar and and uh and word choice and stuff um so that that all to me plays in as well but Ratings. Let's get into the ratings. Go okay. first. Uh, I want you to go first. You know, I, 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 I struggle with this. So I think, I think I'm going to keep it. Okay. I think I'm going to put it on the bottom shelf. Okay. With the intention of like giving it to somebody else, because um, not only is it obviously important for me to, to sort of validate or invalidate the things that I feel about it. I, I do think this is a book that, People should, you know, at least try. I think McCarthy is, is something that, that somebody um, who's never read him before should at least pick up. Um, I found Blood Meridian uh, a bit easier, like just from the constant plot churn yeah. than, than The Road. Um, so I that is not on my bookshelf, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, throw, I'll throw Blood Meridian on there uh, with the intent of putting it in front of somebody else. Okay. Um this is a tough one for me because it's 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 between two shelves. Okay, it's between the middle like, and the bottom for me. Okay, and there are reasons why I can I can feel it pulling either way, um, but I think at the core of it, it's going to end up on the middle shelf for me because of the fact that I do feel compelled to go back and reread this. I feel like this is a book that maybe is something that could be a, sort of a slow burn reread project where maybe I read a chapter or two every. Okay few days a week something like that put some time into it a little in a little bit slower pace and maybe digest it a little bit that way so for that alone the fact that i'm willing to go back and i'm actively going to reread it i'm gonna put it on the middle shelf okay certainly not a book that i feel like middle shelf to top shelf well top shelf obviously is a book that i'm going to be universally recommending yeah this yeah. is not that book middle shelf is I, I would even say it's a book that I'm I'm recommending to most of the people that I would encounter. This is not that book, so that that alone is kind of pulling me down uh, to to think about bottom shelf because bottom shelf is kind of one of those you respect sort of the book. It's not necessarily something you're actively going back to reread. It's yeah. something that you could see value in recommending to somebody else. Um, so it's really close between those two, but I'm I'm gonna put it on the middle shelf. Okay. Um, as far to the side that's closest to putting it on the bottom shelf as possible, whatever the right side or left side, whatever's <laughs> the closest that we can just yeah. barely bump it onto the middle shelf. That's where I'm gonna put it. Okay. And uh, yeah, like I said, I I do want to reread this. Um, not eager to like sit down and chunk through it again. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, maybe a slow burn over a few months just to kind of let it simmer and see how I feel about it then. 
and uh, then it might change. But for now, it's going to be middle shelf for me. Okay. Uh, so I, th- I think that about rounds out the episode. Uh, I mean, look, we didn't touch on a lot of a lot of subjects. We didn't talk about race. We didn't really talk about, um, you know, the the settings, the time period in which this yeah. took place and all th- all these other complexities. So, um, you know, th- there's plenty of stuff. There's a lot out, out on, on on the interwebs about uh, this book. There are uh, plenty of great essays and stuff. That you can read through. Um, I'm sure this is this is not a uh, this is not a small book by any means. So um, you know we can only touch so much in an hour, and, and we're not. And the scope of the show isn't to just completely digest the book. Yeah. It's just the things that I mean. We're very like the experience that we have in reading and the things that we think about when reading are always going to be kind of what we gravitate towards to talking about in the show. And that's right. going to leave right. in books like this where there's a lot, a little bit more to maybe digest. There's going to leave that's going to leave stuff on the table. So I just wanted to make sure that you know we we at least pay literal lip service sure. uh, to to those other other subjects that we skipped over. Um, so let's let's talk about our our next book. Um, it's hardback. We both got the hardback. Yeah. Well, the actually I just I noticed today I tried to order the um, the paperback, but uh, it's not out until like the twenty third of I, this month. Yeah, there wasn't a paperback. This was the only one that I found in yeah. half price books. So I got this off of a recommendation uh, from a friend, uh, which has served me well to this point. So quick background before yes. we get into this book, and then we'll also talk about the book afterwards. Yeah. you know, we've kind of you made the acknowledgement last episode that up until this point, it's kind of a sausage party. We've only yeah, we've only had uh, we've only had male authors, and so in looking at our next two books, your recommendation and then my one afterwards, we definitely want to we definitely want to get a new perspective in here. We want to get female authors in, and we want to read some works. And uh, I think we got two that are going to be that are going to be interesting. So with that kind of being the background of this, let's talk about next week's book. Yeah. So next week, um, again, or next episode. Yeah, I, I, we got to get out of the, ha- the habit of saying there are only saying twelve week. episodes. I then. know. Uh, so this is uh, Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke. Um, and uh, the, if you want a weird tie over, uh, it takes place in East Texas. Um, Nacogdoches from Blood Meridian is in East Texas. That's a very loose tie, but OK. Uh, so there's there's that. Um, there's, you know, kind of law and order stuff uh, going on. This is a sort of a murder um, centric book. Uh, deals with uh, some some race relations and stuff as well too, um, and I think it was FX that bought the rights to this, but they're turning it into a series. A, a series. Yeah. So I saw that. Figured we could get out ahead of it and uh, be the guys that that read the book before we saw the show. Smart, smart, um, smart, smart. And it, it's it's on a it's on a crap ton of uh, of uh, best of like 2017. Yeah, recently lists. released 2017. Na- yeah, national. I think it was it was shortlisted or long listed for the National Book Award, if I remember correctly. Um, so I mean, this is. I think this is going to be great. I know nothing about her. I I really don't know much about this book other than just a quick browse on the on the webs after uh, somebody recommended it. So I'm going in this completely blind, but I'm super excited. Nice. Book after. Book after. So we got a little bit different take here. Ryan, you went with more of the contemporary. I'm going back a little bit. All right. And we're going to do a little Virginia Woolf. We're going to do To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. And we'll get in a little bit more detail about that in our next episode when it's the next book. But yeah, next two next two episodes, we're, we're doing it for the ladies. It's it's going to be it's great. For the ladies. So well, some Bluebird, Bluebird. And some to the lighthouse. I'll, I'll I'll say I'll say one th- one other thing, uh, 
and then we'll we'll end the episode. Uh, so I'm, I'm planning on going to this uh, AWP conference in in Portland next year, and they just released this uh, this week the list of like panels. So it's just it's like a conference with with sure. writers and and uh, you know writing programs, and uh, they have all these different panels. It was like a I think it was a hundred and like seventy page document of like just listing wow. all of these panels, and. Uh, I got to tell you, like women are very well represented on uh, on that whole thing. And it made me made me realize, like, as I went back through our books, that we have not done a good job of that. Yeah. And not obviously not intentionally, um, because we just we have all of these these fucking books to pick from. Yeah. Uh, but I, we do need to, to to balance this stuff out. And there are some extraordinary female writers um, and, uh, and I'm hoping that, that she is one of them. Clearly yeah. the, I'm looking, I'm so. looking forward to this and I'm looking forward, well, I'm looking forward obviously to all of our episodes, but I, I'm looking forward to our next books for sure. All right. So next episode, Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke. And then episode after will be Virginia Wolf's To the Lighthouse. Thanks for listening. And until next time. 